welcome to another edition of the Seafood News Podcast Show. I am your editor and host, Michael Ramsing, reporting from the offices of Erner Barry. I don't think I've ever made mention of the music that we are now using that is uh, brought to you by the good folks over at freemusicarchive.org. That is a track called Smaltz by Jazar. So yeah, we're uh, we're getting we're getting big time here. We're, we're, we want to get some, some music into this program, and in a couple of weeks, actually, after the Memorial Day holiday, we are working on getting on some special guests. So I'm not going to say too much about it right now, but that's something to look forward to after we get back from the holiday. And uh, I'll probably talk more about that as we get closer to it. So that's exciting. It means we're getting some traction here. It's it's fun. Today's program is also brought to you by a new sponsor, the James G. Murphy Company. I'll talk more about them in a little bit, but it looks like things are moving along for the Seafood News Podcast here. It is a 90-degree day. Uh, it seems that the weather is starting to turn around for us here in the Northeast, although this weekend it seems it's going to be a little colder. Either way, we're well, we're certainly out of the dredges here, and it, things should be looking up as we move forward. I can't believe we're just a week away now from Memorial Day weekend. It'll be the unofficial start to the summer season. We have plenty of news here. Uh, first, though, a shout-out to all those that are in attendance at the National Restaurant Association trade show in Chicago. Uh, Erner Berry staff is there. We have a booth, 5340 so please stop on by and see all the wares that we have. We have a bunch of products and services that we're going to be debuting uh, and just have in general. So, you know, please stop on by. I think we're near the beer tents or the beer booth. So that's always uh, an incentive to head that way. And uh, Chicago's a fun city. So good luck to everybody that's either traveling to it now or is already there. And I know it's a four-day grind. So remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, have a good show, everyone. As for today's program, we have... Uh, Quite a few news items here that we want to touch on, so we'll we'll get right into it. The first item up for today is an announcement by the USDA that they are going to reduce their mandatory inspections at catfish processing facilities here in the domestic market to just one shift per day. Now, this is under the USDA's catfish inspection program. For those who aren't familiar, the basic storyline here is a couple years ago, the USDA uh, officially took over the inspection duties from the FDA on all catfish, uh, both domestically produced and then those that are imported from uh, overseas suppliers. These are fish that are in the cerule forms order. So that's Pangasius in Vietnam, and then here in the United States, that's the farmed catfish industry. They are subject to USDA inspections, similar to how the meat and poultry processing operations and producers in this country are inspected by the USDA. Now, obviously, we don't do a whole lot of uh, work with the USDA in our business, but they're kind of, but the government has essentially forced that upon at least the catfish side of things. And we had to do some research on what this all means. What does it mean uh, that catfish is that these producers are only under, you know, only going to be subject to an inspection once per shift? And it's quite fairly interesting. It turns out that the way the USDA inspects meat and processing facilities in the United States depends on whether or not the operations are considered meat and poultry processing only operations or whether they're considered meat slaughter operations. Now, what that means is 
how much these companies deal with the animals, whether they're before they're alive, during the processing stage when they're turned into meat products to be consumed by the consumer, and then also during the post-mortem phase before they're turned into meat products, but when the animals have been already slaughtered. So basically, the USDA has two classifications for facilities. One is that they're a meat and poultry processing only operation where slaughtering doesn't occur at that facility. It's just the processing end of it. And then you have the, the full-on operation where slaughtering occurs and then they're processed into meat products. And then, and then from there, they're you know, either further processed, sent somewhere else, or you know, then they're sold into the market, however it might be. So what this week's ruling from the USDA uh, did was it, it defined catfish processors in the United States as meat and poultry, or it likened them to meat and poultry processing operations only. Essentially what the USDA found out during their inspections and observations since, they, since they've gone on into the domestic facilities in, in last March was that the, these operators are, are really, because of the way fish processing is done, because how, how streamlined and automated it is, it really combines the elements of slaughter and processing into one continuous operation. So in the USDA's eyes, the domestic fish processors are more closely aligned with meat processing only operations. And because of that, they are exempt from a 24-hour continuous inspection type of requirement. They, they're not subject to the same standards as the slaughter operations in the United States are when it comes to a meat and poultry operator. So this means that for the domestic processors that are producing catfish items, uh, they only need to worry about an inspector once per shift now, as long as the public comment period passes and this this is brought into effect. That will change the the catfish inspection law a little bit when it becomes when it comes into full uh, force this September. And that should cut down a little bit of the costs. And what it also does was it it, it makes that it the USDA is essentially adopting the FDA's definition of what fish processing is. So that's an interesting kind of dynamic when you think about it, given that the USDA has taken over this responsibility from the FDA, but now they're turning to the FDA's definitions you know, as they learn this business. And it, it's just an interesting development that we'll continue to track. Again, this program goes into full effect in September. So we do expect to hear more about, for sure, we'll hear more about foreign equivalence uh, programs and, and things like that as we get closer to the to the September 1st deadline. Uh, we'll move on. Uh, today, we're recording this on Friday, uh, May 19th. And for those that are in the salmon industry, you'll know that uh, May 18th was the opening of the Alaskan salmon season uh, on the Copper River. And uh, there is a tradition that goes with this, and that is the first delivery of fish to the Seattle-Tacoma Airport, SeaTac as it's known. And uh, today, uh, the first 22,000 pounds of the Copper River salmon was was delivered to SeaTac. Uh, it was just one shipment. Uh, there are going to be another five just on Friday alone with another 77,000 additional pounds that will be brought into SeaTac. And this is uh, something that they've been doing now, that the industry's been doing for several years. Uh, Alaska Airlines is involved. Ocean Beauty Seafoods, Trident Seafoods, and Copper River Seafoods are all kind of involved in this little partnership to bring the fish in on the first day. Uh, and obviously these, these fish will be 
flown and distributed uh, from Alaska to the lower 48 throughout the season. At the same time, there's a chef's cook-off that goes on where uh, three top chefs from Seattle area compete to d- develop the best fresh salmon recipe, and they serve that to the Escalade Airlines employees, and there's a little prize. So it's a, it's a neat little little event that we like to follow, and that was something that happened uh, on, on Friday. Just a little bit about the industry or about the run. Uh, the Alaska Department of Fish and Game expects the Ch- Chinook forecast to be about 29,000 fish, which would actually make it – uh, the smallest run since 1985. Uh, the projections for sockeye are 889,000 fish for that harvest, and then the coho harvest is projected to be 207,000 fish. So we are underway in Alaska. Expect to see more seafood news updates as that season progresses. As we get deeper into the Alaskan salmon season, we're going to be looking at the Bristol Bay season. We'll be looking at uh, sockeye production there. We'll be looking at what goes into the chilled market. Uh, there's going to be a lot of salmon coverage as we move through the summer here. In some other news, uh, the looks like the CETA deal, that would be the free trade agreement between the Canadians and the European Union, uh, advanced uh, through its next stage of the Canadian Parliament. That was this week. And there was a story that came through the wires that was essentially reporting how the main lobster industry is getting very concerned as this deal uh, gets closer and closer to uh, official ratification. Now, we've reported on this before, and there's plenty of stories that you can find on Ernaberry's Comtel and SeafoodNews.com that say that once this deal goes through, the tariffs on live lobster exports from Canada to Europe, they're going to drop from 8% to zero overnight, essentially. Now, what this means is it will be it what this means is live lobster shipments from Canada to Europe will essentially be tariff free while those from Maine uh, will continue to carry about an 8% tariff and the concern is that this is going to drastically cut into the the Canadian product they're going to have to lower their prices so again what well, we're going to continue to monitor this story it, it's certainly a pertinent development and one that could have some market moving implications as we move forward. In some other news, we picked up an analysis from China on what the latest shrimp production outlook is. And uh, the headline that we used here was that the era of high shrimp output in China could be gone forever. Uh, Basically, it looks like a series of disease and weather related issues has really cut into the ability of the Chinese provinces to produce and replicate the high levels of shrimp output that they had in the past. And then you couple that with higher domestic consumption of shrimp among the Chinese consumers. And it just looks like China is not going to be one of those high shrimp exporters anymore. They're going to be a net importer. In fact, we've commented previously on this program, and there's also plenty of analysis on seafoodnews.com and under Barry, that shows that China is expected and forecast now in 2017 to be a net shrimp importer. We've reported how the Chinese have severely cut into the U.S. market share of Ecuadorian shrimp product. Uh, China is now the largest market for Ecuadorian shrimp exports. Part of this has to do with the fact that the Ecuadorians produce uh, a head-on shrimp that's preferred in the Chinese market, and the Chinese are more than willing to pay for that for that product. The Ecuadorians are happy to produce the head-on product and not take that next step further and produce the head-off product for the U.S. market, and that's cut into the U.S. ability to buy from the Ecuadorians. 
But we also have it reports that the Chinese are buying more shrimp from India. They're buying more shrimp from Vietnam. Uh, so essentially, we just have this this continued confirmation of China's buying power in the seafood industry. You see it in lobster, and now you're seeing it in shrimp. And it's just uh, it's just one of those things where it's not going to go away as the Chinese consumer class uh, continues to get more buying power. Moving on, and we have an update to the to the Cantuna price fixing scheme that. Uh, Bumblebee Seafoods had pled guilty to its involvement in last week. Uh, they agreed at the time to, to pay a $25 million fine in their deal with the Department of Justice. And now uh, a report this week came from the retailers who claimed that they were impacted by the price-fixing scheme. And uh, the and Walmart led an amended complaint. Uh, there are other retailers that were also involved in amending the complaint that say that the conspiracy goes farther back to 2011 that this is something that has been uh, in the works and has been negotiated since 2004, that this is con- that this conspiracy started back in Bangkok during an InfoFish tuna meeting. Uh, Walmart alleges in its amended complaint that the CEOs and decision makers of all the companies that they name were all involved. They all knew about it. There was full knowledge and disclosure about this in that, in that little inner circle. Uh, Walmart even went as far as naming 59 players in this uh, in in their suit uh, that were all involved in this. So it's hard to kind of quantify this and what it really means for the industry. Uh, in our view, it just seems that because there's really only three major Cantuna players in this market, that they were an easy target for the retailers and obviously for the Department of Justice. So uh, it's it's something that we'll continue to follow as as I'm sure more stories will will break. And finally, we'll leave you with a an update on the snow crab situation. Obviously, our coverage on, on this entire market has been very robust as we've been in highly anticipating the start to the Canadian seasons in Newfoundland and the Gulf of St. Lawrence. You'll recall that prices uh, had neared $8 per pound wholesale before Urnerberry delisted them earlier this year when production finally came to a, you know, when there was very little production left in the market. And, and now we come to you with the first prices Urnerberry has reported. Uh, those are now up on Urnerberry's Comtel, so you can go check those out. And what it shows us is that the market is beginning to stabilize uh, now that uh, there's been a little bit of production out of Canada. And then we had a little bit of a, a slowdown fishing effort in the Gulf of St. Lawrence and in Newfoundland uh, this past week. Uh, that was because of weather. And all these factors have combined to help stabilize the market. And you can go and check out those price levels currently posted uh, to Berry's Comtel by heading over there and logging in. You can check out the, the analysis there on what what this all means for the industry going pound uh, price that was earlier reported between the Quinlan brothers and their Japanese partners seem to be where the market is settled. So there's still some issues with larger size crab and uh, we'll continue. Obviously, this will well, this is something that we'll be continuing to track as we go forward into the summer, but it does look like those first hints of stabilization are starting to take hold on the market. And that is really what we have for you today. And we will uh, be back obviously next week with our last show before the Memorial Day weekend. Today's program was brought to you by our friends over at James G. Murphy Company. Uh, the folks over at JGM, they are professional and commercial industrial auctioneers and they are going to have uh, an upcoming auction uh, for some fisheries equipment, actually. And it's going to be in Astoria, Oregon. It's going to be on June 20th. Those interested um, in this auction, you know, they're going to get the chance to 
purchase or bid on over 50,000 square feet of facility space for a seafood processing operation. This includes 1.6 acres of property, some cold storage facilities, a boat dock. There's a lot there. So head over to murphyauction.com or you can give them a call at 425-486-1246 to learn more about this June 20th auction. They also have details on how you can sign up for to participate in live online bidding, and they actually have a pre-auction on this equipment that's going to happen. So, you know, go check out what uh, James G. Murphy's doing. They're they're good people, and uh, we're happy to uh, bring them on board as our latest sponsors. Well, that's it for us today on the on the program. We thank you for listening as always, and uh, be sure to head over to seafoodnews.com to read more content. Head over to ubcomtel.com to get all your market information needs. Uh, until then, uh, have a great weekend if you're listening to this on a Friday or, or however you might be getting it, and uh, we'll chat with you guys next week. Mm-hmm.